My name is Valerie Payne, and this is the podcast Finding Unity. I started this podcast because of a personal experience that helped me to see the need for unity in our society right now. I hope that you will come along with me on my quest to find unity as we seek understanding, connection, healing, and love. Hi, this is Valerie Payne, and you're listening to another episode of Finding Unity. And today I'm super excited because I have one of my friends on talking about a topic that I really don't think is talked about a lot. So first of all, um, Christy Huff is on. So Christy, do you want to say hi? Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I'm super excited um, to have you. So I really like it. I like for people to introduce themselves. So do you mind just kind of introducing and talking a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, yeah, well, my name is Christy Huff and I, Valerie and I met in Los Angeles and I live in Los Angeles. I'm originally from Arizona and I moved out to LA about six years ago to pursue a career in music. So I am a country singer songwriter. So, um, yeah, that's like the biggest thing about me, I guess. Um, and I'm just really excited to be on here today to talk about something that is very important uh, to me to raise awareness for um, and to talk about dyslexia. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. First of all, I mean, I think it's interesting because I know we're going to talk more about dyslexia um, and just kind of what that looked like for you discovering it. But I wanted to kind of just mention, I don't know if you knew this, but the artist Jewel, she also has dyslexia. Did you know that? No, that's okay. That's really cool. I love finding out different people who have dyslexia, especially like artists, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. It's yeah, that's oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. So well, maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. I just I read it in her Mm -hmm. book. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But do you want to just talk a little bit about um, the process of discovering dyslexia, like how old you were and what you remember about that? Yeah. So um, I was diagnosed uh, when I was seven. And um, and mainly because my parents um, were noticing, I have three sisters, two older sisters, one little sister. Um, so they noticed that I was having trouble learning how to read. Like when my when my sisters were four, they knew the alphabet. They could spell their names by the time they were like five or six. And I was seven and I did not know my alphabet. I didn't know how to write my name. Um, there was just like a lot of things like that. Um, that they were noticing that I was delayed in. Um, and at first, they honestly thought that, you know, I'm a, I'm a very social person, that I was more interested in the social aspect of school. Cause even, you know, in, you know, preschool or first grade, I was just like very social. So they're, they at first thought, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe that's, you know, the problem is that she's just more interested in the social aspect of school than learning. Um, but then they go, they went ahead. Um, you know, with talking to my teachers, they decided to get me tested. And, um, you know, that process is a very, I don't know, a long process and a a lot of people are involved. Um, So they took me to a a psychologist, a child psychologist where, um, you know, I did different like IQ tests and things like that. And they eventually, you know, uh, discovered that I am dyslexic and uh, the thing about dyslexia that a lot of people don't really um, fully understand is that it is neurological, so it never goes away. Um, you, there's no way for you to grow out of it. You always have it, and it will always affect you. So, um, so yeah. So I was I was diagnosed when I was seven, um, and 
I guess my journey with school, you know, then began. Um, and it, it was, you know, going through school, I, I don't know, I had two older sisters that, that were really um, good at school and really good at reading and they, they read books for fun. So, you know, I, it also kind of affected me emotionally because there were things that I, you know, would go and sit down and I would try to learn how to read you know, try to learn how to write or my name and try to learn, you know, later on in life, just like, you know, any other subject. And it would just take me a really, really, really long time. And then I wouldn't even get, you know, like I would study hours and hours and hours and get a C or still fail. So it taught me a lot about resilience um, as well. So yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I went into a lot of other stuff, but I guess that's kind of how they, they knew I had a learning disability. Yeah, no, I love that. So I guess let's go there for a second. How do you feel like, because yeah, that would be really frustrating to study for a test for hours and hours and then get a C and which is better than an F. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, how did you, you said you feel like you developed a lot of resilience. How do you feel like you developed resilience in that specifically, I guess, that aspect? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think, you know, it just made me realize that, and I think this is a good life lesson in general to know and to learn is that I I can work on something um, and be as prepared as anybody, more prepared than anybody, um, and still not get it, still not uh, pass, still not, you know, and, and like, you know, even taking that, you know, on a test, you know, that example on a test, even in life, like, I think it's taught me that, I mean, I'm a musician, and there, I like I, I I don't pretend to not understand that I could put so much work into my career, be the best, be all of the stuff, and still not get it. But that doesn't stop me, and still not get to where I want to be. But that doesn't stop me from trying. And it's it's kind of made me realize that it's about the journey and things, um, and to kind of blow off. You know, like I think what dyslexia has also taught me is how to just kind of be easygoing because you have to be like, if I was going to get mad, like it's funny because I have older sisters who would like get mad when they got a B on a test, you know? And if I got mad every single time I got a C or failed a test, then I wouldn't be very happy. And uh, I, I think that that just taught me to put not, not, I don't know, have my happiness depend on certain, um, I don't know, certain achievements that, I knew that I wasn't really going to be able to get to like everybody else sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> well, something you mentioned, like, and if there's anything I know about you, Christy, like you laugh a lot. Yeah. You know, yes. you're, and it's funny because I actually just went um, to a training yesterday for, um, uh, for just different like mental health things. And they talked about the psychology of laughter, which it's actually mm-hmm. like you can do yoga laughter which is really oh, interesting. Cool. <laughs> so it sounds like you've been able to like find resilience through laughing and enjoying life. Well, yeah. And, you know, I've, I developed a lot of coping mechanisms with dyslexia. And like, you know, I have a lot of insecurities um, because of my dyslexia. And one of those insecurities is, you know, like the fear of people thinking I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. And and I think growing up and, you know, sometimes even still, I'm like, I can't let people know that I'm stupid. Uh, and I know that like I like I know that I'm not stupid, but like still that's still like a fear. I'm like, I, like I, I, I'm stupid. I can't let people find out. So I'm going to laugh at myself 
if I don't get something before anybody else can make fun of me for it. So then a coping mechanism of mine, you know, which is now a big part of my personality is to make fun of myself and to make jokes. So, you know, in a lot of ways that has kind of, you know, that I feel like that's a big part of my personality where I just, I like to laugh and I like to make jokes and things like that. But it also started as a coping mechanism because I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I don't get this, but I'm just going to like kind of, pretend instead of instead of and like laugh at myself instead of people thinking oh she just why doesn't she get it and you know what I mean like stuff like that so um in a lot of ways you know it's it's kind of a big aspect of my personality has come from different coping mechanisms that I've developed because of my dyslexia yeah that makes sense and you know I want to take a step back and go back to when you were first diagnosed with dyslexia Mm -hmm. and you talked about how um you know you went saw probably a school psychologist I'm assuming and had an IEP it sounds like mm-hmm. yeah not, what was it like for you um maybe like being pulled out of class for those services and like how did you navigate that because you mentioned having yeah. this like I don't want people to think I'm stupid so what was that like for you and how did you navigate yeah that, that was really hard for me um so I, I went to, for elementary school, and like when I was diagnosed, I went to a Montessori school. And Montessori schools, you know, um, they have like first through third graders are all in a class together, and fourth through sixth graders are all in a class together. And so, you know, there, everybody, you know, it's okay if I didn't get something with the rest of my fellow third graders because there's first graders in my class. So I, it was, I didn't feel so... Um, different and like I didn't get things because there were so many different age groups but when I got into um you know junior high in seventh grade and that that's when you know school is like and in my elementary school you could go at your own pace you know junior high and high school it's not like that they have oh this assignment is due this day you have to do it so I was originally placed in all special education classes when I entered seventh grade and that's in a whole other wing of the school. Um, it's like you're with like classes are like five people and all that. And I was like, no, I'm not I, I'm not going to do this because I can't let and like like I said, like I'm a very social person. I love to have friends and, you know, do things like that. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this. And I told my parents, I'm like, look, I know that school is going to be hard for me, but you cannot let me go to, um, you know, these special education classes I want to be put in to, you know, the quote unquote regular classes and nothing against, you know, I think that's a personal decision that you have to make yourself if you want to stick in those special education classes, because it is a resource, you know, that, that a lot of people you have, you have a lot of support. But for me, I was like, no, I, I want to be with everybody else. And I don't want to be seen as, as different. So you know, but with that being said, I still had to like for for uh, tests and things like that because I I did have an IEP. I was allowed more time, like extra time, and was allowed somebody to read to me, um, like for tests. So for each test, you know, I would be I I could I was taken out and I was. Uh, brought to the special education department and had somebody read to me, and you know. At the time, like that was a big insecurity of mine because I didn't want people to know that I was different. Um, And for a long time, you know, after I decided not to go to the special education classes, I didn't use the resources that were given to me because I didn't want to be um, 
looked at as different. But then, you know, I was struggling, like then that was showing up in my schoolwork because I wasn't, you know, given, I wasn't even able to be tested properly on the, you know, the class because I wasn't even able to like get through, like answer all the questions because of the time. So then once I realized that this would make me struggle in school, I was like, okay, I just have to put down my pride and go and take the test and get the help that I need or else then I'm not going to do as well as I can do, you know? So, but you know, yeah, like that, that really shaped me, you know? Um, And I think too, like, I think that, you know, just talking about like in life, like how that shaped me, you know, I think that, you know, I'm in a lot of areas of my life, I'm allowed to put down my pride and just be like, well, like, like even like, like comparing it to like how it was used in my life, like with music, you know, like I moved out to LA, didn't know anybody, had no connections at all to music. I was 19. um, But, you know, I, I knew how it felt to like feel uncomfortable and feel like maybe I was failing um or like people were seeing me different that I think that helped me stick with music because you know when I first moved out here I would go and play for literally nobody um in the audience uh and you know that that does a lot for your pride you know but I think because I had that experience um you know in school and having to let go of my pride and do what I needed to do to move forward um you know I think that that has helped me so much in life in general Yeah, it sounds like you were able to kind of take that moment and look at, okay, like, where can I step back and where can I push myself? And when you kind of realized, okay, like, I need help and it's okay that I need that help. Yes. And I think, you know, I like to think that nowadays um, that stigma of needing help and asking for help and accepting help is kind of going away, that, that that is, you know, like, it's more appropriate and accepted. But, you know, like, at the time... It, it it was more and, and I <laughs> I think that school in general is set up and designed in a way that um, it, it favors the AP kids and it favor like if you're not not only do you have to be the smartest but you also have to be the fastest the fastest and the smartest and if you're not then you're kind of not looked at in the same level like you're lazy like I mean even I can't even tell you like even me having a learning disability and having an IEP and having the backup of the special education department um there were even teachers like that just do do, they do not understand learning disabilities and they see me um and they just expect like they expected me because like if I um if I was getting, cause I did well in school when I got the accommodations that I needed because, you know, dyslexia doesn't affect your intelligence. It just, you're slower at interpreting and at reading and need to be explained. Like I need, you need to have things explained to you. Um, so it doesn't affect your intelligence at all. So you can get A's in classes. You just need the time and the proper accommodations uh, to get, you know, the grades that you are working to get. But even my teachers, they're like, I like um, my senior year of high school, uh, a teacher tried to take away my IEP because I was getting like a B in the class. And they're like, well, you must not really have a learning disability if you are, you know, able to uh, succeed in some way. So I I still think that like, you know, 
in I mean I'm going on a tangent now but like I I I do think that like the education system in general has a lot at least from when I was in school has a long way to go to understand learning disabilities mm-hmm. um and just to kind of understand you know even if you're learning disabled or not everybody learns in a different way so yeah there's just um there there but there were definitely moments that you know I guess going back to like being like resilient like um teachers tried to like make it like really difficult for me to be even be able to like use the accommodations um that that I was able to use and and, and I don't know so yeah I'm going on a tangent now but it's just interesting kind of how people view dyslexia and learning disabilities because it is invisible so um you know they they look at people and if they aren't like noticeably failing um then it's like oh you don't really have um a learning disability so it's I don't know it's interesting yeah so Christy that actually leads me to the next question I just kind of want to back up and say like what does dyslexia look like maybe for people who aren't familiar with it um like Mm -hmm. what did it look like to you when you were trying to read and it's it's probably different for everyone but yeah well and okay that's such a, a to me that's like a funny not a funny question but it's it's that's kind of like asking somebody what the what the color uh like what blue they see in the sky yeah um i don't know honestly what because i don't know what it what reading um quote unquote if you're not dyslexic looks like um all i know is like you know you hear a lot which this is something that i like you know i i have a whole podcast um kind of uh or what's the word i'm looking for my whole my whole goal with my podcast was to kind of let people know what dyslexia is and what a lot of people think dyslexia is is you know like oh this like your c's are backward and your b's are backward and honestly i couldn't tell you if that was true because that is just like of course like you know like sure like i i lose my spot in when i'm reading you know and but for me what like the biggest thing you know of how dyslexia affects me is that like okay like i could read something um and like a sentence to you and sometimes I would read it like super like clearly but what is hard for me is to comprehend what a question is asking um like I remember like in school when um like like math I hated math I suck at math but word problems especially I hate it especially when they would go off on tangents like Sally has three eggs and she got the eggs at the supermarket down in Westchester and she drove there and if she comes back like when they go off on a tangent and I'm like this has nothing to do with what you're asking me though like so that's like when I would get confused but for me like I think the biggest thing that is different you know which I've seen with people who have dyslexia and people who don't have dyslexia is the comprehension like I I can't read something um and tell you like I have to read it over and over again. And honestly, I thought that everybody had to do that until I like, you know, would, would, would be in study groups with my friends and they were able to read a question once and able to answer it correctly right away. And I'm like, whoa, how, like I have to sit down and like, you know, kind of uh, under, like dis- disinfect or whatever, like what everything is being said. Um, and also like the simple word, like, uh, like what what is not um, in, you know, like not and what is just kind of understanding what the question is asking, because not can make 
a huge difference in what the question is asking. And many times I read over that not, and I'm not even answering what the question is asking me, you know? So that, I know that doesn't really answer your question, but about like, what does it look like? And that's honestly just because I have no idea what it's supposed to look like. That's just how my brain has always been. But the biggest, the biggest difference is I think just like comprehension and being slow. Yeah. No, I think you give really good insights because it's true. It's going to look different for everyone. And it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it is kind of a a tricky question to ask. So what I wanted to ask too, is because I know you're a songwriter and a wonderful Mm -hmm. singer and musician. (laughs) How has that impacted your like with reading music, writing music and writing lyrics? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I can't read music. Um, yeah, so I, I can't read music. I play all by ear. Um, and I like writing lyrics and things. It doesn't really affect me because um, I normally am not sitting down and writing a, po- a poem or something. It's like I I start by singing and words coming out and then forming the story like that by just recording and going back and recording, you know, but yeah, it has affected my ability to read music. I can't read music. I've tried to learn my whole entire life. (laughs) It doesn't make sense to me. To me, reading music is a math equation and it takes all the fun and enjoyment out of music for me. Um, Like I remember like in choir, um, like I was never placed in like the top choir classes because I can't read music. so it's like, and that would did a big thing for my self-esteem because singing is where I turned to gain my self-esteem because it was something where I was the best at, like even in school. But then it, it was crazy to me, like how in choir, they don't care how you sound. They care what you, what note is this and how does it do and like all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's like little things like that, that like I've never been able to do. And I know that doesn't affect, I mean, my aunt is dyslexic and she can read music. Uh, but then she's also, she can also do math and I can't do math. So I feel like it's something kind of all correlated to, to each other, but also dyslexia. I think, um, you know, I, in my podcast, I interviewed three different people who have dyslexia and it sounds like it affects all of us differently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I love that. So, um, one interesting thing, too, as I mentioned, Jewel um, especially has mm-hmm. dyslexia. She, if I'm remembering correctly, doesn't read music either. And mm-hmm. she talked about, and I don't read music either. <laughs> We're both, yeah. we both play the guitar and sing. But um, yeah, I'm- well, that's what's great about the guitar. You don't really need to. It's like piano. I feel like, yeah, you need to learn how to, unless you just play all by ear, but like guitar, you're like, cool. These are the shapes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually interesting. You said about the shapes because that's something Jewel mentioned as well is like she, mm-hmm. she was really focused on the shapes more than the music. And that's how she was able to yeah. formulate stuff. So, well, and it's, it's even interesting because I can't really, um, like remember, um, like if you gave me, you, you know, like remembering information, when I take a test, I can't do it, but I, I can remember lyrics. And that's because what I remember is the, how the shape of my, like my mouth is making to make a certain, you know, tone in my voice and word of like how the music is going. That's how I'm able to remember things. And like, even like when I was trying to learn math um, growing up, 
I would, I, you know, I went to like tutors and stuff and they would help me, you know, learn like different rhymes and things like that. To, like, like seven times seven were out of line till it became 49. Like that's something that stuck with me my whole life. And that's because of like the rhythm of it. Like, so that helps me remember. But other than that, like I, I, I suck at remembering things. <laughs> No, I, I love that. I think that's so interesting. And um, just kind of how, what you expressed, how maybe for um, whether it's students in school or just others, like how can we help them to facilitate like and really mm-hmm. um, keep their creative mind growing when maybe they yeah. have a learning disability or dyslexia or um, mm-hmm. something like that. So I love that thought that you shared. Um, I wanted to ask you um, kind of – if you could, well, first of all, you, you talked about having this resilient mindset. And I'm just curious, like, we, you talked about how you gain that resilient mindset. But I guess, like, what do you do to prevent yourself from, like, falling into a victim? Does that make sense? Like, oh, well, I have dyslexia. Like, oh, well. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. There's times where, like, you know, I do get stuck in that. Um, because, you know, normally I'm pretty happy-go-lucky. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, I... I don't like, yeah, I didn't go to college. I didn't do this. That's fine. I don't want to like, you know, like I have other things that I'm doing and I'm happy with that. And for the most part, I am. But there's always times like, I mean, like an example, like, <laughs> like over this quarantine, um, you know, I, I have like a lot more time and something else that I thought would be kind of cool uh, to do is to do like a, a real estate course. And um, I haven't been in school since high school. You know, I haven't done anything like that. So I started it and I was like, oh, wow, this in, you know, the way that you learn, like everybody learns and what classes do, it's like you just have to read, 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 read like everything and try and get the information. I'm like, that sucks if you have dyslexia. Like I like I'm I have so so that's, you know, when I was doing that, I um, I did kind of get in that kind of victim mindset. Um, because I was just like, this sucks. Like something that people do on the side, like, cause that's why I wanted to do. It. I'm like, cool. Like, it'd be nice to have like another like side gig, you know? Um, and, and I'm just like, man, like this sucks. Like I can't even like get through like a chapter. Like I, I, I can't get through any of this and it's so hard and it's something that like really isn't that hard, but like for me, it's like the hardest thing in the world so I wrote like a bunch of songs about it and stuff and (laughs) see way to go (laughs) and that's yeah and that's like where I turned to and you know like I guess then that's when I'm like you know what like I turn I turn to music that's where I go um and like even in high school like I wrote so many songs in high school and I I tend to turn to music and to songwriting when I feel like I can't do anything when I'm trapped because if there is a word that I could give somebody um of how it feels to be dyslexic when you are trying to learn the word i would say how it feels is lost mm-hmm. i'm just lost in 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 my mind like i'm just like how like i have no idea what's happening right now and cuz your intelligent level is you know like it doesn't affect your intelligence so it's like i but I, i'm like stuck and like lost in this like mind that like for whatever reason you know I can't decipher any of this information. So, you know, for me, like, you know, how do I not fall into that victim mindset? Well, you know, I do for 
a little bit and then I move on and accept that there are some things that, you know, do I want to put my time and my effort into this right now? So I took a pause on the real estate and, you know, again, letting go of that pride and putting my focus into something that my music still, you know, that I can put my focus into and that I enjoy and that I'm good at. And so that I'm not, I don't fall into that victim mindset, you know? So I guess like my biggest advice for people who have a learning disability to not fall into that victim mindset is do what you enjoy and don't make yourself, don't beat yourself up for doing something that doesn't come as easy to you. And also do it if like, obviously like things aren't going to come easy and that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I think you should, but also I don't think you should do it to prove something. I feel like you really have to want to do it because it is going to take you four times as long as everybody else. And you know, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Just, but yeah, yeah, I no, guess just kind of turn to something else. <laughs> I love that because you're talking about the importance of having intrinsic motivation instead of extrinsic, where you're really focusing on what makes me happy instead of what makes the world happy or others happy. Mm-hmm. And something I found really interesting, too, is, you know, you mentioned that you write songs and um, mm-hmm. often, I mean, obviously we can, as a fellow songwriter, we can write songs that are just like life sucks and that's it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But sometimes, yeah. often I feel when I'm writing a song, there's like a solution in it like this is Mm -hmm. really hard but when you write a bridge or sometimes there's something in there that's like I'm gonna overcome this and I'm gonna be okay and so maybe Mm -hmm. for people who are listening right now I think that's helpful because maybe songwriting isn't your thing but like Mm -hmm. when you form your own narrative or journal write or you know have some kind of thing like that is there any other and this kind of goes back to another question I was gonna ask Mm -hmm. and feel free to add anything else you wanted to but Um, I wanted to kind of ask two things. First of all, you mentioned how it was really hard, you know, being in junior high and going through this. Um, So I wanted to ask, like, were you ever made fun of specifically for dyslexia? And then kind of similarly, like, what would you say? And, you know, if so, um, how did you navigate that? And then also, Mm -hmm. like, what would you say to young people who maybe are struggling with um, having something like dyslexia and trying to figure out how to navigate this world with an IEP? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, yes. Um, I was like made fun of in that, like, um, you know, like again, I would get my test score back and, um, you know, I was friends with people who, um, you know, like, cause I was as driven as everybody else, you know, and I worked as hard as everybody else, probably harder in a lot of areas. Cause I would spend hours and hours studying and still wouldn't get the grades that, you know, I wanted. And I, I worked to get, um, but yeah, I, I like, I remember, um, like this is like, I, I failed, a, a, a biology test and I spent like hours and hours and hours and hours studying, uh, typed up my notes. Like I would do all of these things that like, would like, I, like for me, what I would do, I would, I would type up my notes and that would kind of help me like understand kind of, cause I would be rereading everything, you know? Um, and I have to read things over and over again to understand it. Um, and yeah, like I remember I had a friend and they're like, you got an F? Like you spent like hours studying, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. And I was like, and like, to me, I'm like, okay, a good comeback isn't like, well, yeah, cause I have dyslexia or like, oh yeah, cause I, you know, I'm just like, uh, you know? So yeah, I like definitely that would had happened. Um, and like, honestly, like, 
even now, um, like a big pet peeve of mine, like, like again, so I, the worst thing you could call me is lazy or stupid, uh, because I'm not lazy and I'm not stupid. I know I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I'm not stupid. And, you know, there's even like instances just like in life and like the last couple of years, because, you know, not only does dyslexia affect you, uh, in school but like another example it's like i was with some friends at um going to see a movie and i went to go um you know buy a ticket on like the little machine though like again like that even like messed me up i'm like okay wait where what am i trying to do what, like what am i trying to get and they got the wrong ticket and they're like oh my gosh like you're so stupid you know what i mean and and i am like normally w with my group of friends i am looked at as the you know, first of all, like the funny one and also just kind of like the ditzy one, because I think sometimes, again, a coping mechanism of mine is to put that on me because I would rather laugh and joke about it than to have people actually think that I'm stupid and just don't. Yeah, know. you so have the like, narrative when you laugh at yourself instead of giving other people. Exactly. The power. It's like I have control. So, um, you know, like there's instances even now that that's a thing. And and a big thing, you know, like I guess how I just overcome that um is i know that i'm not stupid you know and i know that i'm a hard worker and i know it sounds like so cliche and so stupid and and stuff but like sometimes it's like you know you know like how hard you work you know somebody else who has a learning disability you know you're not stupid you know why you're having these difficulties you know why you you know your brain messed messed up and you got the wrong ticket at the movie theater or you couldn't, you know, like just little things like that, you know why. And, and even, I even hate telling people, oh, it's because I have dyslexia because even that people don't understand what dyslexia is. They think that it's, oh, your C got, you know, it's, it's upside down, big whoop, who cares? Like you can still see it, but that's not even what it is. It's like the comprehension words literally disappear on a page. Um, you know, if your C was always backwards and that's how you would always see a C, so then you could read it that the same way every single time. That's the whole point with dyslexia. Every time you read, it's different. Um, so, so yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. Again, I went up on tangents. And as you can see, I do have some, not bitterness, but I do have some, you know, like, I, I mean, I guess like a little bit of, of like, you know, I don't know, angst when it comes to to you know like being kind of bullied and and things like that you know like and you know I, I don't mean bullied and like bullying can be as simple as oh come on like you're so stupid as a joke but like that still hurts you you you're still affected by that so yeah <laughs> I don't know no I love it I feel like the main things I heard especially like if you're gonna give advice to young people the main things I heard for you is like you're not lazy so telling young people like mm -hmm. you're not lazy you're not stupid and take yeah. power of your own story don't let other people take that power from you I feel like that's what I really heard yeah. from you yeah and I think also you know I think we are living in a in a time where like like for instance, I just wrote a song. Um, it's called "All Together," and uh, it's about my dyslexia, and it's about like not having it. And like a line in my song, and my producer was trying to fight me on changing the lyric, and I was like, "No." A line in my song is um, like, "I need a fast car to get me out of my head. I need somebody who loves me in spite of it, because I dream of doubts that I should just let go. I call myself stupid and think I'm slow." So he called, and that's like a verse, and he called me, and he's like. 
um, no, like we want it to be more positive and like, you can't say that. But I think also one thing that's important to, 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 I guess, know, and I think to accept is that like, it's okay to feel bad and to feel, um, to feel down on yourself. And I don't think every little, every little thing always has to be a positive outcome. I think sometimes, um, obviously not to be negative about it all the time, but I think sometimes it's okay to kind of sit in your sadness and sit in, in that for a second and then it's what you do after you you sit in that to move on like that could be an end of a page or an end of a day and then it's what you're going to do the next day there doesn't have to be a positive or a blessing or anything like that that can come out of situations like that sometimes sometimes it is bad and it does suck and you do feel bad about yourself and then it's like okay i'm going to close that door and that's still there like those feelings don't go away but it's how i it's those other feelings that you are going to put focus on, you know? Yeah. So I love that because, yeah. yeah, it is so important to just sit and feel your feelings sometimes. We mm-hmm. sometimes try to brush it away. So I love I love that advice that you gave and that, you know, hopefully people who are listening can, like, take that and be like, it's okay to just, like, feel it sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to just – our time is coming to an end, but thank you so much again for being on no, thank you for having me. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you one more question. Something I like to ask everyone who's on is, um, what does unity mean to you? So what does unity mean to you? Yes, um, I was thinking about this when you sent me the questions. And, you know, I think unity is, you know, like to me, like in a perfect world, we would all, everybody's so different. You know, we all have different strengths, talents, opinions, all that stuff. But to me, unity is be like loving everybody no matter what their your differences are with somebody um you know especially like right now like in the world and in life right now it's a very divided time and i think that you know obviously there's some <laughs> there's some things that like no there is a it is black and white and there are there is a right you know way of viewing certain things you know but all in all it's like we're all just trying to do our best and i think that unity is just really accepting everybody and loving everybody no matter what so yeah (laughs) I love that yeah just recognizing that everyone's doing their best and maybe it's a different opinion Mm -hmm. than you have or something yeah a different thought yes we're all doing our best I know I I I like to think that everybody is genuinely good and has a reason you know that like maybe if you don't understand it it doesn't come from a a bad place so yeah Yeah. I love that Mm -hmm. yeah if we can just look at people that way Thank you again, Christy, so much for being Thank on. You. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please like it on whatever platform you're listening to. Remember that it's okay to disagree. Unity comes when we can agree to disagree while still maintaining a love for one another. For more on Unity, follow us on Instagram at finding.unity or on Twitter at finding underscore unity.